Well, good morning, Pleasant Ridge. Man, I just really want to thank Garth Brooks for opening up for me last night. Uh, just so, uh, so excellent. Um, I'm, not, I'm a rock and roll person, uh, but that, there's just something about 90s country, isn't there, right? Man, it just hits differently. Uh, my name is Michael Felker. I am super excited to be able to be here with you guys this morning. I'm the executive director and ministerial coach of Kicking at the Darkness. It's a ministry designed to bring hope, clarity, and strength to ministry leaders, their families, and to church uh, teams. And what I love doing is coming alongside of ministers during seasons of frustration and fatigue, uh, maybe coming alongside of them, helping them to figure out where they are now and where they may want to be in the future as where it comes to their spiritual growth or, or their leadership growth. I love coming alongside of churches and encouraging them to create systems and ways to just love on God's people and to do better as God's people, as the church. And so I'm excited to come and be here with you guys today. Uh, and every time that I get up before a, an audience or before a church service, I always like to point out to really encourage those that are on the leadership here, those that are on the church staff, please make sure that you're encouraging them because it's a difficult job. It's been a difficult couple of years, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, but Galatians 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we will we'll not give up. The problem is sometimes with church leaders is that they don't get to see that harvest in the season, right? That they, It's years later that they're looking for it. So I want to encourage you, help your church leaders, whether they're the elders or the deacons or the church staff or whoever it is, somebody leading your small group or whatever it is, let them know that you are grateful for them. Give them a gift card to some Christian chicken or some secular coffee, right? I mean, everybody likes Chick-fil-A, everybody likes Starbucks, right? Give them some sort of harvest. Let them know what they've meant to you and how that their love for you has helped them help you understand the love of Jesus Christ right so I'm excited today because I feel like speaking to you guys giving a message from God's word um, is going to be a way to help hurting people heal or maybe to help somebody who is stuck to get unstuck or somebody who may be discouraged today to find confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ so let's pray and then we'll get into the word God, we thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to be brothers and sisters in Christ. God, thank you that we can uh, come together to share in communion, to sing songs of praise to you, to exalt your name, to encourage one another with our presence and with our words. Uh, and God, I just thank you that we can open up your word to seek out what it is that you're doing in this world and how we can play a part, how we can come alongside of you and be used in your name for your kingdom your kingdom alone. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, well, one of my favorite authors put out a new book uh, this year, and uh, out of all the kind of social media quotes and things that have been uh, coming out of this book, I really, really like this. It's from a book called Not In It to Win It by Andy Stanley, and it says this, 2020, a pandemic that created an economic shutdown that left us teetering on financial meltdown while navigating social unrest in and during an election year, all right? How does that quote make you feel a little bit? Are we a little tense? Are we sitting up a little bit more? Are we wanting to kind of hang our head? I mean, it, it's been a tough road to hoe over the last couple of years, amen? 
Yeah, and, and all of these things really just kind of came together to create a perfect storm of, of conflict, of tension, of frustration, of fatigue, all of those things. And so it has left God's people feeling kind of disoriented, right? It's almost like we've gotten the wind knocked out of us. We got knocked down to the mat, and now we don't know kind of where we're going to go. We're disoriented. We don't know where we fit now in our culture. We don't know where that's going to look like in the future, so we're a little disoriented. Or maybe you feel a little disconnected, right? Uh, being on Zoom for so many times, it may have connected us face-to-face, -face, but it wasn't uh, connecting us heart-to-heart, -heart, right? It wasn't really being able to be that real kind of connection, and so we feel disconnected all over the world. Maybe we feel more divided than ever, right? I always like to say, I'm not a donkey or an elephant. I'm from the party of the lamb. Uh, but that's even harder and harder to do in our culture today when we are defined by our divisions between one another. Maybe it's left some of you really depressed. You look at the culture, you look at everything that's going on, and your disorientation has left you depressed. You don't know where God is or if God's going to show up again. And then maybe that's left some of us depleted, completely depleted. In my line of work, when I'm working with ministers right now, almost uh, two-thirds have considered quitting the ministry altogether over this last year. That's an incredible amount, uh, a number. We lose about 250 ministers a month uh, in uh, church work, uh, and so that is about 3,000 a year. Uh, that's 30,000 in 10 years. Right now, there's 15,000 that are looking to maybe leave ministry altogether. That's half of a 10-year average of loss. And so people are feeling depleted all over the place. Well, I've got some good news for you, right? I'm here to bring good news to us because whenever the people of God have faced great obstacles, God has provided even greater opportunities, all right? Let me say that one more time, okay? Whenever the people of God have faced great obstacles, God has provided even greater opportunities. What opportunities are there? I believe that right now that we as the church have three opportunities that are facing us in the midst of all of these obstacles, right? And so I think that what we are facing right now is we have an opportunity to find greater commitment, right, which leads to greater unity. I think greater involvement, which leads to greater service, and greater leadership, which really leads to greater love. Right? The world sees leadership as power and authority and authoritarianism, but Jesus says that leadership is the way that we love and the way that we serve people. And so I think we've got some great opportunities facing us. In the book of Acts, we see a handful of situations where the church is growing, where it is very explicit in the text that what God has been up to, what the Holy Spirit has been doing in response to the ministry, the life, the death, the burial of and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that in response to all that, the Holy Spirit has given some times to the church where there was some explosive growth. There's been great uh, challenge and then and obstacles, and now the God provides great opportunities. And so we're going to look at these three, uh, the stories that are kind of found in these three passages. So if you would, open up to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. That's going to be the first part that we look, like, look at. And the first obstacle and opportunity is this, right? When we look at the church today, when we look at what uh, frustrations and fatigue and, and uh, depress, depression, whatever we're looking at at church, what's going to happen in the future, the obstacle number one is how do you make one body from a diverse group of people? 
How do you make one body from a diverse group of people? Well, the text shows us, God shows us that greater commitment to the things that matter most is how you make one body out of a diverse group. Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, they being the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property, distributed the proceeds to all and any who had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. When I read this passage, when I read the story of our brothers and sisters as the church was launching out, this just lights me up. It sets my heart on fire to say, God, this is what I want for our people. This is what I want for your church. I want people to look at us from the outside and see us doing these things. That, there are so, are, that what looks like a diverse and divided group of people are actually committed to unity and committed to doing things together in the name of Christ. The church was committed to a handful of values and practices that really mattered and things that set them apart. Look at this. It says that they uh, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay? Now, that's not the apostles' opinion. Okay? I don't know what translation you may have, but none of them that I have says the apostles' opinion. It says the apostles' teaching, which their teaching was focused on Jesus Christ, the life, death, burial, and resurrection and ministry of Jesus Christ. That's what they were focused on. That was the unifying message of hope and good news for a broken and divided world. Right? That was the, the key. They were united around Jesus Fellowship, right? Hanging out with one another, being with one another, um, breaking of bread. That's the uh, Greek for barbecue with one another, all right? That's, that's what they were doing. They were hanging out with one another. They were breaking bread like we did with communion, but they were also doing it in their homes. They were praying together. They were unified. It said they were together and had everything in common. Now, I want you to remember the context of what this is. The early church uh, broke out because of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came on the apostles and the, the, Spirit added to, the Lord added to their number 3,000 that day. That was when the church was kicked off. It was, because of, it was the day of Pentecost, which meant that there were brothers and sisters in Judaism from all over the Roman Empire, right? There were people from Turkey. There were people from Rome. There were people from uh, maybe even traveling all the way up from, uh, you know, Great Britain or wherever some of that is there, uh, and they were all together, and so they spoke different languages, they, sp they had different uh, uh, actions, they had different cultures, uh, they were, you know, united around the Jewish faith, uh, but even Jesus. They had everything in common, which means they had Christ uh, in common. There, were, there, there was generosity and in uh, private homes. Um, they were praising God, and then I love this one. They were enjoying the favor of all the people, right? Doesn't it sometimes feel like we in the church have lost our footing of the favor of the people in our culture? Does it feel that way? 
You know, oftentimes when I go on an airplane or when I go and I uh, sit down at lunch or something like that and I'm by myself and somebody asks me what I do, you might think I might have the, um, uh, I might get a little embarrassed or I might feel like, oh, I don't want to come on too strong. And so maybe I'll say, uh, I'm a speaker or uh, I'm a philosopher or I'm a writer or some of those things. I come right out and I tell people that I work with church leaders when I was preaching. I said, I'm a preacher and it doesn't make me awkward. It might make them awkward. <laughs> or feel awkward, right? But it doesn't make me feel awkward. And one of the things I wanted to do is really just show that a, a, a somebody in, in, in church, somebody that wears the name of Jesus Christ is not a weirdo, right? It's not somebody that's condemning. It's not somebody that's going out and just uh, Bible thumping or doing any of those things. I'm a broken person who has been made whole and is continuing to be made whole by Jesus Christ. And I want that for everybody, right? And so for us to gain the favor of God's people doesn't mean we have to be weird. Doesn't mean we have to be afraid. It just means that we have to say, here's what Christ Jesus has done for us. Maybe he can do that for you as well. Right? And so the church had this great obstacle of so many divided people and diverse people. They had to come together as one, and they did it united around a handful of things that matter. These values and practices that mattered. And the church grew. The church grew because of that, because there was a commitment to these values and to these practices. Well, then time goes on and the church faces another obstacle. And in this obstacle is they needed some things to get done. In order for ministry to happen, there had to be some people to, to carry out that ministry. So how do you get what needs to be done uh, accomplished? How do you do that? You do it with greater involvement. And so in Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, we find this story. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, who we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole company. And so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicantor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, and a convert, for, a convert from Antioch. And they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. So conflict arose. They had to get some things done. The, the Hebraic Jewish uh, widows were fighting with the Greek uh, uh, Jewish widows. And so they were trying to say, you know, there, there may have been some favoritism going on. There was conflict. And oftentimes in the church, because we're so nice, uh, right? And the, uh, we always like to say everything is fine. Um, we oftentimes look, overlook conflict. Or we just think maybe it'll be um, uh, fix itself. We might do this, right? All right, what's the conflict? Put it under the rug, whatever. But they address this conflict. Conflict can be an opportunity for us to grow closer to one another. And when, when it, they, the church uh, pulled these seven men together, and oftentimes when we look back, we call these men deacons, right? Well, this isn't a message about, uh, I need to use the microphone right here. All right. 
That's all right. I, I, I can stand still. It's like college. I'm, all right, okay. All right. So there's these seven men that have been chosen to help do the work. They have, maybe they volunteered for the work. Maybe the church identified them as these men that are already maybe doing the work, whatever it is. But we sometimes look back at those guys and we call them deacons. Um, and so this isn't a message about deacons or church leadership or church, church structure. I want us to look and see what these men were actually doing was not a title. They, they weren't given a title. They weren't given a, an office. They weren't given a plaque on their door. What these men were were servants. And the Greek word for that is diakonos. Can you say that with me? Diakonos. Okay? Diakonos. And so when we see that there is a service that needs to be done, that service in Greek is diakonia. Diakonia. So the diakonio, the service, needed diakonoi, needed servants in order to organize and to carry out this ministry. I want to encourage us that as we are moving forward past the pandemic, past the, the global meltdown, past all the divisiveness and things that are going on in our world, as we move past, the church doesn't need more of a, a, a bigger organizational structure. The church needs more of us to be involved in areas of service. The church needs us to love people well and to accomplish things that bring the gospel to people that need it. And so we are all servants. We are all diakonoses, right? Diakonoi, right? That's the, the plural of the word there. We are servants of the Most High God. And we're our job, our calling on every single one of us is to love people in the name of Jesus Christ and to serve them well. And so if we're going to overcome looking around saying the church has so much to do, it can't be just put on a handful of people. It has to be everyone within the church pulling their weight, finding their gifts, using those gifts to love and to serve the people uh, of God and the people of this world, right? That's the obstacle that we have to overcome and the opportunity that we have. And then finally, one more opportunity, one obstacle is this. How do you boldly move into new avenues of mission, right? How do you move into new avenues of mission? Well, one of the ways that you do that is through greater leadership. We have an opportunity to lead better. Bold leaders who are focused on what God is doing in this world. And again, I'm not talking about just titles or an organizational chart. What I'm talking about is people who um, will lead out in different practices if it means helping bring people to Christ Jesus. See, as time went on, another crisis faced the church. And this time, it was whether you had to be circumcised in order to be saved by Jesus Christ. Did you have to take on all the tenets of Judaism for the salvation of Jesus Christ to be able to take uh, a hold of you? And so this began causing so much anxiety and frustration between the uh, Greek Christians and the Jewish Christians. And so leaders really provide hope and clarity for their people. 
One of my uh, friends is a guy named Dave Beckwith, and he has written a new book called God Meetings. He says that we need to cancel all elders meetings, cancel all board meetings, and have God meetings, right? Not where we sit around and talk about uh, the color of carpet, but where we sit and seek the face of God together about what is he doing in our lives, what's he calling our church to do. And I love that idea, right? God meetings instead of board meetings. Well, that's what ends up happening in Acts chapter 15. They have a God meeting. Acts 15, 1 through 6. Some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. After Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate, Paul and Barnabas and some others were appointed to go to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about the issue. When they had been sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles. And they brought great joy to all the brothers and the sisters. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them, the Greek Christians, uh, in order and to command them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders gathered together to consider this matter. This is one of my favorite passages when it comes to conflict resolution, when it comes to dealing with a difficult uh, conversation, uh, coming uh, together with somebody who may disagree with our, my position on something. I look at this passage and I look and see how Barnabas and Paul um, handled themselves. I look and see how the elders and the, the council uh, handled themselves, how Peter and James, I encourage you, go back today and read the whole of Acts chapter 15. And what we see is that this leadership that was being um, exercised by these men during this this, uh, encounter is not one of authoritarian rule. It's not one that's been driven by anxiety. Oh, we've got to fix this or we're in big problems, right? It's not out of anxiety. What it is is they are modeling something greater. They are modeling Christ-likeness in the way that they deal with one another, in the way that they deal with a disagreement, in the way that they are trying to find a way to make it so that people who are far from God can come closer to God. They are trying to bless people, not burden people. You see what happens here, right? They welcome one another. When's the last time you had a difficult meeting that you felt welcomed when you got there, right? Probably not uh, too often, okay? They shared what God has been doing, right? They didn't share necessarily their opinions. They said, look and see what is happening here. What is God up to in this? They considered what one another said, that Considered uh, comes from the word considerate, right? They were considerate with one another. They listened. They weighed the issue. They made decisions not to burden one another. Uh, And they had this non-anxious response. They took their time when it came discussing. I love Peter gets up and he explains what's going on. James finally gets up and he says, okay, here's, here's what I think God is up to. Here's what we've seen from scripture. Here's what we've seen that's been happening now. And so how can we communicate this in a way that brings glory to Christ Jesus and tears down a burden, tears down a restriction that isn't about the rules, but is about a relationship with with Jesus Christ. How can we communicate that out? They exercised kingdom principles rather than worldly power dynamics. 
It's one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. As somebody who works with leadership teams, as someone who works with people who uh, are part of an organizational chart and all that kind of stuff, whenever it comes to conflict, uh, conflict can be an opportunity, and it certainly was an opportunity because of the way they approached one another in this conflict. Whenever the people of God have faced great obstacles, church, God has provided even greater opportunities. These things that I've been mentioning today all really come from the discipleship model that Jesus gave them, right? A greater commitment to the things that matter. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. That's as simple and as difficult as it is following Jesus. That's committing to the one that matters. Jesus said, love one another. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. The same should be for you. So when we commit to being, great, to being involved, to being those deaconoi, to being those servants, we're following what Jesus called us to do. And then greater leadership. Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. That's what great leaders do is that they feed the people of God. They make it easy for the people of God to see Jesus and to live that out. Greater commitment, greater involvement, greater leadership, these are the opportunities that will help us break through the obstacles that I think that we're facing as a church and as a body of believers. I'm going to leave us today with Acts 4, 29 through 30. It's this passage that, again, in, uh, in between the, the time that um, the church grew, uh, was, was planted and in the time that the uh, deaconoi were asked to help serve the tables, another tension point, uh, persecution, had come up. And the people are gathered together and they're praying, and this is the prayer that they give. And now, Lord, consider the threats and grant your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. As we face great obstacles today, as we're going to face great obstacles from now until Christ comes back to take us home, I pray that this is our prayer, that we may speak boldly, that we may be a generation that sees God stretch out his hand and heal, heal me, Heal you, heal us as the church, heal this culture, heal this world, do miraculous signs and wonders so that people's eyes and hearts might be open to accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's my prayer. And so as we close out, I want to pray this over us today. So let's pray. Lord, consider the threats that are around us. God, grant that your servants, that we may speak your word with all boldness. God, stretch out your hand for healing. Lord, may we see signs and wonders performed through your name and through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Lord, as we stand at the crossroads, God, may we not go back in fear. May we not just stay put where we are, content to not move forward again because of fear, but God, may we step forward in faith. May we see how you have worked in the lives of your servants through your word, God, through your son, through your spirit. And God, may we believe that you're still capable of doing amazing and great things through those who call on your name. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, church. 
So we're going to offer an invitation. There's going to be one song. There's an elder and his wife there in the back. I'm going to be down here uh, at the front. Um, this is your church. You know the people that you can talk to, that you can uh, share with. If something in your heart has uh, stirred today and you say, I'm going to be more committed to Jesus Christ, I want you to share that with somebody. If there's been, uh, the, the Spirit has been whispering in your ear, hey, you need to get involved in this ministry, right? Or, or hey, there's a need. Let's explore what that need is and how it can be met. I, I want to encourage you to share that with somebody. If you're ready to lead, and by lead in the church, that means if you're ready to love and to serve people more and more in the name of Jesus Christ, this is your opportunity to do that. If you want to be baptized, we'll baptize you. If you want to start a Bible study, we'll start a Bible study with you. Whatever it may be, if you've got a need, please come forward as together we stand and sing. How great.